0: Thank you for the opportunity to share God's word with you. I was wondering if you could keep the Bible open at that passage. When I was asked to speak, I was reminded that today is the missionary offering day, special day for us. you know We think about missions and we collect a little bit extra to give to missions. So this text came to mind. I was asked if I could maybe have a message relating to our mission Sunday. But we're not actually going to have a break from the 40 days because what we're going to do today is we're going to use two of the skills that we've been learning. We're going to pronounce this text and we're going to probe this text. I know our group is up to paraphrasing, so at the end of this morning's message, I hope you'll be able to paraphrase this passage yourselves. That's if you're up to that bit. If not, maybe next week. So I know it's said on the thing that it's how shall they hear, but that's King James, and that's what I'm used to, and I, that's what I told uh, the mission, uh, the uh, the team that were putting the thing together. But in our scriptures here in the NIV, it's how can they hear? How can they hear? I'd like to look at this text and ask you three questions this morning, personal questions that need an answer, a personal answer. And here they are. The first question, have you called? The second one, how can they hear? And the third one, do you have beautiful feet? All right. Three questions. We're going to look at this and I need you to answer the, to answer these three questions at the end of the message today. So, what is mission? That's an interesting question, right? You know. Uh, Rick Warren says, bombard the text with questions. Mission. What is mission? Well, another thing Rick Warren says we need to do which I've been telling you here for yonks is look up the word in the dictionary I was told that by an old old brother at uh, my first assembly that I attended look it up and it says task responsibility objective and you can apply that to an organization a business anything but the Bible applies it to us personally. That's what the little brackets are there for. So, you look at it from a personal perspective, a task, a responsibility, objective. And the Bible talks a lot about mission, but really it should be Christian mission because you can have all sorts of missions, can't you? All sorts of missions. So, what we're talking about this morning is Christian mission, mission. Okay. The first bit is the objective. In First Timothy chapter two, verse four, it says, "God wants all men, all thank you, all men, to be saved." And there's lots of verses like that in, in the New Testament, but that's the objective of God, isn't it? He sent his son with an objective to save people from their sins. So the next one, the task. At the end of the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, the Lord says that the Gospel must be preached first to all nations before the end comes. Before he comes back, he says the Gospel must be preached to all nations before he comes back. Now I'm looking forward for the Lord to come back. I need him to come back soon. I'm tired of living in this world. But before he can come back, it says there, the, the Lord says the Gospel must be preached first. And at the end, right at the very end of Mark, chapter 16, it says, "'Go into all the world and preach the good news "'to all creation.'" Jesus Christ Himself said this. Go into all the world and preach the good news. And then the responsibility. At the end of Luke, the Lord again says, Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name, in my name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's where it starts. Mission. So Christian mission, as far as God is concerned, is spreading the good news. That's what it is. Now we can do it in all sorts of ways. we heard of one way from our brother Barry, how Temcare does it. Because if Temcare didn't preach the Gospel, didn't share this wonderful message, it would just be welfare. The government does that. But it's not mission, it's not Christian mission. So what is the good news that we're talking about here? What is the good news that God wants to be preached? Here is the good news. A long time ago in Bethlehem there were shepherds in the fields and they weren't washing their socks by night, they were watching their flocks by night. And there was a a proclamation, an angelic proclamation. Now this is uh, the second thing, this is picturing it. Have you got this picture in your mind? Rick Warren says we need to picture things sometimes. Shepherds watching the flocks, angelic proclamation, an announcement from heaven. That doesn't happen very often, does it? Not very often, not even in scripture. When it happens it's... No, notable. So, the angel says, don't be afraid. Now, I can, I can relate to that. I, I would be sort of a bit scared of that situation. The angel says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This is pronouncing, right? Are we getting the picture here? Are we understanding what it's trying to say? And the angel says, today. In the city of David, a Saviour, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That is the good news. That's what the angels said. The angels wouldn't lie. The angels said, that's good news. Good news is that now there is a Saviour. Before there wasn't a Saviour. But now, A Saviour has been born. A Saviour who can actually save, who can rescue, who can bring peace, who can bring joy, who can bring hope, who can bring security, who can bring forgiveness, who can bring healing. That's the Gospel. That's the Gospel. And the gospel brings eternal life. And you know, those shepherds needed the gospel. The people in Jerusalem needed the gospel. And you and I and the world out there today still needs the gospel, still needs to hear the good news. Now, the good news is to all people. And that's important only three letters, A-L-L, very simple word, but it's all encompassing, all people. It's not an exclusive offer, you know, it's not a members only, you know, I've been working in Yarrabat on, on, on a big bathroom, reno. You know. I had run out of adhesive and I needed a bit of tile trim. And it's a long way to come down here to Monty where I get my usual stuff. So I went to National Tiles in South Moraine. I think it's South Moraine. I turned up with my hard Yakka Legends pants covered in adhesive glue and water barrier. I had my orange fluoro top on which had slightly less tile adhesive on it and water barrier. I rocked up in my high-ace van with the tradesman racks and I went in and I said, I'd like some adhesive and tile trim and because I don't normally buy there, could I have a trade price? Are you a member? I'm a member. A member of what? No, no, I'm not a member. Or oh, you can't have a trade price, members only. I'm a tradie. But I wasn't a member of the Tile Club at National Tiles. No discount. I had to pay retail price. But I am a member of Rivers. You know, Rivers have <laughs> sales. What do <are> you laughing at? <laughs> Rivers have, have a sale and, and on two or three days before the sale starts, the members only can go in and get the stuff at the sale price. And that's important because you know, you know the ad rivers, some stores have lots and some have none. And sometimes you go and there's nothing there. But I'm a member, so I get the discount. And if you're an I member, once a month you can go to Repco and get twenty percent off everything. But the gospel is not exclusive. It's inclusive. It's for all It's not members only. And did you read that little phrase in verse 12 there where it says, there is no difference. No difference between Jew and Gentile. There's no national or racial barriers. Brother there's from Lebanon. I'm an Italian. You know, in the 60s I was a (laughs) wog. You know? So we know about racial stuff. Yeah, I know. But see, God, He doesn't see us like that. He sees us as in need of salvation. All of us. Race makes no difference. Colour makes no difference. Education, wealth. You're either saved or unsaved. That's how God sees it. No difference. Who needs a Saviour? The little word there is all. In Romans, in the same book, in Romans three twenty three, in Romans three twenty three, it says there that there is no difference. There's that little phrase again. God says there is no difference for all. Same word. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so you see that that God is trying to get a message across. There's no difference. It's salvation. All he has he has a message he wants to get across to people and even and even the jews who who the apostles who were first given this message to take out to the world they thought oh it's only for the jews and and the apostle peter in acts chapter 10 he 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 eventually it, it dawned on him. God had revealed things to him, and he says, Then Peter began to speak. said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation, every nation who fear him and do well. And in Luke chapter 2, it clearly identifies who this Saviour is, right? It's Christ, the Lord. He is the Saviour. So, all is a small word, right? Three letters, A-L-L. You put a C in front of it and you get call. Another small word. But let me tell you this. In this text and in the scriptures, very important word, very important word. Now we read together, did we not, that anyone actually I think I missed a bit. Hang on. my wife's going to tell me off to doing this, but anyway, everyone who calls on what? His name, the name of Jesus is saved. That's what we've read. Anyone who trusts in him is saved. And then everyone who calls on his name will be saved. That's what we read in the text. What does that mean? It means that it doesn't matter who you are, how you've lived. People think that salvation is for really bad people. People who have done nasty things, they need to be saved. But it doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't say it on the screen. Keep pointing at it because that's where I can see it. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say it in the text, which means God doesn't say that. He says anyone and everyone needs to call. Have we got that? Do we understand that? Here's the good news. The question the first question that we had in, in the at the start is have you called? So the question I want to ask you tonight this morning here, everyone in this room, have you called on the name of Jesus Christ? In other words, are you saved? Are you saved? Important question, are you saved? Have you been forgiven? Has God forgiven you personally? Are you accepted by God? Because God does not accept everybody. He doesn't. These are important questions. If the answer is no, there are consequences. And if the answer is yes to those questions, then there are responsibilities that we have, which we're going to look at in a moment. You see, if the answer is no, then it's not enough just to sit here this morning and and sit under the preaching of God's word. It's a good place to be. Don't don't get me wrong. I I would prefer you to be here and hear what God says. But it's not enough to be saved. It's not enough, like like our, our brother Brent to go to a theological college and study God's word. That is not enough to get you saved. It's a good thing to do. I commend that. I mean, people that know me well know that I I encourage people to study the word of God, but it's not enough to get you saved. It's not enough to attend church or do charitable works. That won't get you saved. Pat's on the back, yes. Yes. You may get a plaque, it might get you saved. It's not enough to live a good moral life. You must call on the name of Jesus Christ personally and confess and commit your life to him. You have to say, help me, Lord Jesus, save me from my sin. That's what it says. That's what God says he needs you to do, needs me to do. Have we done it? Have you done it? You know whether you've called on the name of the Lord or not. You see, intellectual belief is not enough. It's not enough to know about the Lord Jesus. It's not enough to know about God. Not enough. Israel, we read that in this text. I love this text. It's it's only short but there's a lot of stuff in it. Israel knew about God, but not all of Israel was saved. Did you read? Did, remember reading that? That's what it said, and it's a fact. So to to know about God, to participate in the offerings and all the stuff that the, to have the temple there is not enough. Was not enough. They needed. And we need, and you need, we need to commit our lives personally to Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord. That's what we also read in Romans 10 and 9. So if you haven't called on the name of the Lord Jesus, I want you to think about what has just been said. I want you to switch off anything else I'm going to say from now on because it's not important to you. It's not important to you. So if you haven't been saved, if you haven't been forgiven, if you haven't been accepted, if you haven't called on the name of the Lord, the answer to the question was no, you haven't done that. You need to do that. Just switch off now. I want you to just think about that. But if the answer was yes to those three things, yep, I've been saved, yes, I have been forgiven, and yes, I am accepted of the Lord. Then the rest of the text applies to you because the rest of the text is a plea for missions. It's a plea for missions. In Romans ten fourteen to fifteen, the apostle Paul is pleading for the people that read this epistle to help him spread the good news, take the gospel to Spain. Asking for their help. And it's interesting when you look at this, uh, this passage, we see a method, a God's idea was and still is today to use the people who have called to spread the Gospel. He doesn't use angels. The Lord's back in heaven with his Father, seated at the right hand of God. So how is the good news going to get out? it 's the people who have called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who have been asked to take up the responsibility and take that message out. you and me, the offer of salvation and god 's method was like that. then it 's like that today that 's how the gospel gets out yeah we 've got a lot of technology, but that 's not how God intended it to be used, to use. So there's five elements that God wants done in this thing. Calling on Christ, belief in Christ, hearing, preaching, sending. That's how we make disciples. You know the Great Commission in in, in, uh, Matthew 28? Now it's interesting how it's like that here because he's talking to the called people. He's talking to Christians here. But really it should be the other way around, shouldn't it? We should what be sending people out, preaching the gospel so people can hear it and believe it, and then call. That's how it should be. But here, what Paul is doing is pleading for help with mission. That's why he's got it like this. So we've got, we've we've, uh, we've covered uh, calling on Christ. What about belief in Christ? Believing. Now I said to you before that believing is not enough and it's not because when you look at the text it says there believing in Christ, not on. You know, my first church that I went to was an old church, a little brethren church in East Cobra. We had old elders and old Bible preachers and they drummed stuff into you. I'm glad they did because one of the things they taught me was to carefully read the Word of God. And they're only little words, on and in, very little words, and they make a heap of difference on how they're used. You see, believing on Jesus Christ is different. That means you are trusting him, you are depending on him to do what he said he would do, save you from your sin, forgive you your sin, Make you acceptable before a holy and righteous God, believing that Jesus Christ can do that it's just knowledge important people need to know what Jesus Christ did, can do, and will do that's knowledge that's important, but it doesn't save, does it and how can people how can people know about Jesus Christ if someone doesn't tell them. So the facts, the truth needs to be proclaimed. The hearing. One must hear the Gospel before someone can either accept it or reject it. And We read that too, didn't we? We read in this passage that not all of Israel believed. That's what's going to happen. If we preach the Gospel, If we tell people about Jesus Christ, if we offer them the salvation, some will accept, some will reject. The Lord warned us that would happen. So let's not be surprised, but it doesn't take away the responsibility that we've been given to go out and take that good news, to take out that offer of salvation to people. So hearing is very important. And then we've got... A little passage in Luke chapter ten, verse six. The Lord says, "He who listens to you listens to me." So the Lord is saying to the seventy that He sent out, "The message that you take out, if they're listening to you, it's like they're listening to me." That's what I'm doing here this morning. They're not my. These are not my words. These are the words of Christ. You know, God commissioned him to proclaim the good news. You can read about that in Isaiah 61. I was going to read it, I haven't got time. But the Lord said that he came to proclaim the good news, not just to die on the cross, but to take this wonderful message of salvation to the people, to the nations. And then he says in that little passage in Luke, he says, and who rejects you? So if you reject the message, you reject Christ and he goes on a bit further and he says and if they reject that they reject the one who sent me that's how important this message is that's how important the gospel is you reject the gospel you're you're shaking your fist at god you're saying no thank you i don't want your salvation it will happen The next one is preaching the gospel and that means proclaiming, heralding the good news, telling it forth. Sometimes you do it in an official capacity from a platform like this. Other times it can be done in a home with a mate, you know, with a little kid comes and, and spends the weekend with you. You can you can preach the gospel that way. You can share the gospel with a friend at work or at uni or at school or your neighbour or maybe someone in your family. You know, speaking is still, even in 2015, is still the most effective communication we have. It really is. A spoken word. J.I. Packer says in his book Beyond the Battle for the Bible, he says, A true sermon is an act of God and not a mere performance by man. In real preaching, the speaker is the servant of the word and God speaks and works by his word. Through his servant's lips, he goes on to say, the sermon is God's ordained means of speaking and working. And it's true. That's how he started it off. He, he, he got some very ordinary men, uneducated men, gave them a message and sent them out and we've been doing it ever since. God hasn't adjusted that because it's still the most effective method that he wants, that he wants used. So we get to the next one, the sending of Christ's messengers. This is where it really hits the road. God uses the called to spread the gospel and he uses the called, the people that are called on him, to send out the messengers as well. You know, missionaries, you may have heard this, you may have even said this yourself, but missionaries, they're always looking for money. Aren't they not? Are they not? You know, Our brother asked us to help out financially too in a practical way. Mission organisations are constantly asking for support and it might be, they may change the word, they may say sponsorships, adoptions, partnership, whatever. It's always to do with money because part of the sending is to do with money. Support is, is necessary in a practical way. People that work overseas in missions, they need to live somewhere. They need a house. They need to wear clothes, wear shoes, eat food, you know? You get the picture? They need support. If they're working for the gospel, working in gospel work, that means they're not out renovating bathrooms, earning a living. There's education costs, there's, there's transport costs, and you know, sometimes the actual work, the ministry, there's costs there as well. How does God meet those needs? How does God support missions and missionaries through his people, hence the blue bags? I hate to say that, but it is about money, isn't it? A lot of the time. The sending here is about the practical support. If you go later on today, have a look at Romans 15 where Paul is actually saying, I need your help. I'm going to Spain to preach the Gospel but I need a little bit of support. Would you help me? That's what he's asking the Roman Christians. Who is it that's asking? Paul, the Apostle, chosen by God to be the Apostle to the Gentiles, perhaps the greatest missionary ever? He needs help. The sending. I've got some figures here. Sending equals spending. I like that. I thought it all Okay. I thought it all up myself. Okay, here we go. This report was commissioned by the Southern Baptist Missions Board in America two thousand and one AD. And it was because, you know, New Millennium and they were looking at you know how to effectively get the message out to the people that need it. And this is what they came up with. The world population at that time was 6.1 billion people, with a a billion people. It's now 7.2. So the figure's are a little bit out, but I think it's still relevant. One third of the people were Christian. In other words, they were mainly Western nations. So one third, that's two billion people, were mainly Western nations. That leaves two-thirds left over. Of those two-thirds left over, 1.4 billion, I've left out a B there, 1.4 billion never heard the gospel, have never heard the gospel. Is that possible? 2001 never heard the gospel? And the other 2.7 billion have heard the gospel preached but are unconverted. Now, out of that third, who are Christian, 62% of the world wealth is controlled by them. or they have 62% of the world's wealth. And 97% of it is spent on ourselves. Now, okay, that doesn't mean we're greedy because that includes you know, health and education and somewhere to live. But what it's telling us that most of the money that we have is spent on us looking after ourselves. Which means three percent is left over for charity, charitable works. Now, out of that three percent, one percent is for secular charity works. That's like uh, um, you know SIDS and Red Nose Day, Daffodil Day, which is coming up. You know those those secular ones. And then two percent are for Christian charitable works. That's not very much, is it? But wait, there's more. Out of those out of that two percent that goes to Christian causes, ninety nine point nine percent are spent in own countries. Now that's not a bad thing. That's that's supporting temp care. Not a bad thing, but it's just giving us a picture of how it's going. and and one point five percent is uh, sorry, uh yeah, there we go. Own countries, right? Okay. I left out a little dot. Okay, so out of that 1.1%, which it should be 1%, because the you know, five has got the little percentage on top. I didn't have the capital thing going. Anyway, that leaves you that with 1%. And out of that 1%, that's left over, 0.09 is spent on the people who have already heard it. So that all that leaves is 0.01% is spent on overseas mission to the countries or to the people who have never heard the gospel. That's very challenging, don't you think? That's very challenging, and that was in 2001. So the question is, do you have beautiful feet? Person who has beautiful feet is a bringer. That's a real word, you know. I looked it up. A bringer of good news. Missionaries are very special people. I know I know a few. They are they're very special people. God calls them, He, he gives them gifts that I don't have. They can do amazing things with very little resources. They suffer a lot sometimes for for the gospel. I'm not a missionary, but I have called on the name of the Lord. And I have a responsibility. I can preach sometimes, so I can do that. You can preach too, maybe not from your platform, but you can spread the gospel to people that you know. You can take, you know, take the gospel. To the workplace, to the neighborhood, to the club that you might be a member of, whatever, and you can send. We can all send. We can all give, financially, practically, to help people that are, have that are gone, that God has called into the work. How shall they hear? How shall they hear? That's the question here. That's the question that I leave you with this morning. They need to hear in order that they might believe so they can call on the name of the Lord and be saved.